Welcome to RBC Disruptors, our ongoing conversation about innovation and how we can reimagine Canada's economy in this time of unprecedented change. I'm your host, John Stackhouse. For today's episode, I can't think of many Canadians better suited to kickstart our new season than Mike Servinas and Janet Bannister. I've been lucky to know and work with them in different ways over the last many years. Mike is the founder of League, a Toronto-based company positioning itself as a digital alternative to traditional health insurance. He's a serial entrepreneur, but he does a lot more than start companies. He's a driving force behind the Mars Discovery District and the Vector Institute in Toronto, as well as the Perimeter Institute in Waterloo. Every summer, Mike and I are part of a small group who get together for a few days in cottage country, talking about what Canada needs to do to own the podium of innovation. And when Mike talks, everyone listens. Janet is an equally remarkable Canadian. She's been running companies since she was a teenager and made her first big score with Kijiji, the e-commerce platform that she founded. Earlier this year, she was named managing partner of Real Ventures, the Montreal-based VC firm that was created to help Canadian tech firms stay Canadian. And it's worth noting, Janet is the first woman to head a major Canadian VC outfit. We're now a month into the crisis and every part of the economy is reeling. Every sector is struggling with challenges, the likes of which none of us have ever seen before. Technology is no exception. In fact, the tech sector has unique challenges, maybe unique opportunities. Unbelievably, the sector was doing incredibly well right up until the moment the crisis hit. Canadian tech companies as a group were among the best performing in the world for startups, attracting money, attracting talent, starting to show results that were gaining attention in markets everywhere. And now this. Mike, I wonder if I can start with you and if you can walk us through what the last month has been like in Canadian tech. I can be negative and suggest this has been like an asteroid hitting planet tech uh, and only the survival uh, of the fittest you know, will, uh, will happen, but I'm gonna be positive. And I got to say, I love, I just love being an entrepreneur. I'd say for the most part, people are putting their beginner's minds uh, in gear and trying to figure things out. This is a completely unexpected, unprecedented, pick your uh, adjective time. And we're, we're just all trying to figure it out and trying to help. What's it been like at League? Maybe you can walk us through some of the decisions you've had to make. We were already in a work from home mode and we decided that day that we would change our business model and start giving away a version of our platform for free. And the thinking being when in crisis, you got to be focused on helping. And our mission is to empower people with their health every day. So for us, there's opportunity in crisis. And this whole idea of employee health is all of a sudden mission critical. We're rapidly adapting, but we are seeing an uncertain future in terms of uh, when demand shows up again. And we're just trying to adapt. Mike, how do you keep your teams engaged, even upbeat during these times? I'd say we at League already have uh, an environment where, you know, we're very transparent. I communicate to the team a lot. I write something uh, every Sunday night, Monday morning called The Week Ahead. Uh, that's usually a few pages, you know, what's on my mind, what's happening, what's going on, what we should be focused on. We have town halls Thursday at 4 p.m. like clockwork. I've added in daily video messages. And I find during times like this, you know, having been through uh, 9-11 and uh, also 08, 09, 
it really helps to get people focused in a razor, razor sharp way on something that they can control on something that they can impact and make progress on uh, and really start celebrating those not quarterly and annual wins, but like the daily, almost hourly wins and just try to build momentum uh, every day and just keep the communication going. That's such a great insight, Mike, to uh, give people the chance to control things that they can control because we all feel so helpless in this kind of environment. Janet, you've, you've been through down markets before. How, how would you describe last month? And then take us through some of the conversations you're having at Real and with the companies that you're connected with. I mean, really, the last month has, has I think the best word is surreal. Like it's, you know, for the first week, I sort of would wake up every morning and think, okay, was that just a whole dream? Like, but I share Mike's perspective that when something happens to you, you can either sit around and complain and say, oh, this is really bad. Or you can say, hey, you know what, this is a situation and I can't control this situation, but I can control my response to the situation. What we have been doing with each of our portfolio companies is really walking them through three steps. Number one, hey, understand what the impact is to your business, both in the short term. Secondly, what's the impact after we go back, i.e. if there's a recession for a couple of years, and then, hey, what's the impact longer term, i.e. in the next five or 10 years? And then secondly, okay, given those three time horizons, how should you be thinking about your business? Is it time to pivot? Should you be changing your, maybe it's your pricing, maybe it's your value proposition, how should you be thinking about that? And then number third, how do you make sure that from a financial position, you are well positioned? And so cutting back in terms of laying people off, some firms are taking salary cuts. Some companies are raising money in the funding environment. A couple of our companies actually have got ter new term sheets over the past four weeks. So that is positive. We've been talking for years about the growth mindset. I've had conversations with both of you on various stages about that. And I wonder, Janet, how you help people who have that growth mindset that makes them great entrepreneurs. That's why they're successful. I think some of the most challenging situations are where they have to let go some of their team and they'll say to me, well, but wait a minute, I worked so hard to hire these people. They're so great. I've trained them so hard and now having to let them go. And the way that I talk to the entrepreneurs and I think what resonates with them is, hey, you are building a huge business and you're building a huge business for the next 10 years and you're, you will build a billion dollar business. But you know what? Maybe because of this slowdown, it's going to take you longer to get there. You'll still get there maybe longer and it may not be on the path that you had planned. But if you want to get there, then you need to take these steps. And so this is the only way that you're going to get to your goal of building a huge company is to make sure that you survive. And surviving, unfortunately, in some cases means significantly reducing costs. Mike, I don't know if you remember, you were one of the first guests at RBC Disruptors. And in the middle of the conversation, I asked you about pivoting. And you took issue with that word. You really didn't like the word pivot. Uh, and you walked us through, and Leak was just emerging at that point, how you adjusted uh, your your strategy and your thinking. In moments like this, a lot of people are saying, hey, we got to pivot. This is the classic pivot moment. I wonder how you're thinking about the challenges of pivoting or whatever word you want to choose and how entrepreneurs should be thinking about those those kinds of adjustments. 
Yeah, you're right. I don't like the word pivot. I believe in the relentless pursuit of viability and building something massive. And this idea that there's just constant change and you need to be constantly changing. And I think what we're in right now is a massive world change. I feel like I've been through two similar but different versions of this. I remember making mistakes like post 9-11, you know, we all turtled, we all cut back, cut to the bone, right? Pick your metaphor. And the mistake was not really rapidly adapting to the new normal or the next normal. And so what happened is when the market came back, it roared past anybody that had turtled. And in 08 and 09, there was an opportunity. That was right when we were starting Kobo. It was an, there was an opportunity to take advantage of the, the disruption to change people's mindset. And I think, you know, failure to be thinking about those approaches, both looking to the future, how you can take advantage of the disruption to change people's mindset, I think is a missed opportunity. And so like right now, this is a complete reset on the whole planet. And you should not only be thinking about, uh, you know, a pivot, uh, so to speak, you should be changing, thinking about changing almost everything about your business. Uh, it's a great opportunity for a beginner's mind to be resetting everything that they think about the, the market and what the new normal will be and how they'll be not only a survivor, but how they'll be thriving and on the podium. Janet and Mike had some amazing insights into the challenges that our economy is currently facing. Specifically, they spoke of three steps that every business needs to consider to overcome the crisis. Number one, the impact to your business in the short term. While this is happening, you need to survive. Number two, the impact after we go back to work for the next couple of years. You need to be positioned to accelerate. And number three, the impact in the long term, maybe even over the next 10 years. You need to be prepared for a very different future. Things might not happen as fast as you'd like, but change can also come faster than you're ready for. And for Canadians, this requires a tech mindset. We know technology is important to the future of Canada, but do we know it's critical that it will drive our economy? Are we willing to place some history-making bets? Do we want to shape the future? Or are we just hoping to preserve what we've got? It's a big challenge for companies too. To think about a more virtual economy, more global opportunities at our fingertips and challenges too, and the talent needed to thrive. Let's turn to the future and talk a bit about how we can collectively get out of this crisis. Janet, how should we be thinking about tech and accelerating into the 2020s? A couple of thoughts. First of all, in terms of hey, why technology is important. Technology is critically important to the future of Canada because, I mean, that is what is going to drive our economy forward. Our GDP per capita is significantly lower in Canada versus the U.S. And if you look at, say, Silicon Valley, in the Silicon Valley, average tech employees contribute 30% more economic value than the average American employee. So we know that tech workers contribute more than non-tech workers. And so if we want to close our, that GDP gap, technology is one way to get there. We also know that it is one of the fastest growing segments in in Canada. And I think that we now have a very unique opportunity to strengthen 
our advantage in technology. As, as many people know, the technology segment has been growing very quickly in Canada. The investments into early stage technology companies has doubled in the past three years. And as I said, I view this as a great opportunity. And the reason I view that this could be a great opportunity for us is because at this time, the fundamentals of a business matter more than ever. Things such as, you know, really nailing your product market fit, having a great team, having a strong unit economics, getting as much value out of every dollar that you invest in a business. And those are the types of things that Canadian businesses are known for. Yes, it's a tough time, but it's a time for us to double down. And John, I mean, getting back to your running at the beginning of this, as I, John and I were talking the other day, and I, I suddenly remembered my cross-country running days. And I was like, you know, when you're running up a hill against somebody, that is, and you're both hurting and you're both tired, that is the time when you've got to throw on that burst of speed and go super hard up the hill. And when you get to the top of the hill, you've got to sprint and go, because that's how you're going to win the race. And I think the same thing here is, Canada is in a unique opportunity where some other countries may not be doubling down on their tech sector. And so now is our opportunity to double down and to gain an advantage globally. Mike, even in these darker moments, what's what's your thinking about what we should be investing in to accelerate? Well, for years, we've been talking about changing the shape of Canadians, of our economy for future generations. And this idea of not relying on pulling things out of the ground to drive our economy and that basically drive it also into the ground every time the cycle shifts. We've been talking about changing to an economy that's more driven off of IP. That's the the gift that can keep on giving. It's the gift that we can export um, and we can sell around the world. And over the last several years, we've seen just a surge in Canadian companies that are creating that are creating technologies that they're exporting around the world and across a wide range of different sectors. So I just think it's such a massive opportunity. And coming out of this, I see, I mean, how what what tools do we have as an economy when interest rates are near zero? What tools do we have to stimulate and get things going? We've talked about shovel-ready infrastructure projects. Shovel-ready infrastructure projects, sure, we'll get some people back to work here. What kinds of multiplier effects and long-term return profiles those have, you know, as compared to technology infrastructure, digital infrastructure, which, by the way, this pandemic has shown us how sorely we are behind, especially when it comes to healthcare and digital health infrastructure. We have a crumbling traditional healthcare model that is sorely in need of transformation. Now's the time to double down. Now's the time to accelerate up that hill. Take advantage of not only you know what tech companies can do uh, in, in terms of creating their own value and equity value, but frankly, the benefits that they can give to all kinds of other Canadian companies and sectors that need the productivity boosts that tech can give them coming out of this. Where would you put the next dollar if if you could, Mike, to make those things happen? From a national standpoint, I would bet on digital health infrastructure. I would bet on AI and analytics. So those are some of the areas. I certainly wouldn't be betting on real estate. I think we're going to see a massive pullback from companies in terms of their commercial real estate plans. 
So I think there's a ton of digital infrastructure bets around healthcare, AI writ large, AI applications, and some deep examples that I would absolutely put money in. Janet, we may be seeing, we may be in the midst of a paradigm shift, which is an overused cliche, but if we shift to a lot more working from home, if our behaviors change both negatively and positively because of this, how should entrepreneurs and the innovation economy more broadly think about those shifts and turning them into, into opportunities? I think they should be thinking about you know, the future of work, as well as digitizing of any processes. Anything that today needs people physically there to do, then any companies will be looking to replace those physical people with technology. Mike, what do our entrepreneurs need to get going out of this crisis? We've seen several announcements from the federal government, as well as some provinces with assistance to uh, tech entrepreneurs, and that's very helpful. But I'm wondering more broadly and looking a bit more over the horizon, what you think entrepreneurs across the country are are really going to need to accelerate? I think there's been a lot of focus on these various rescue programs, which for the most part have not been super helpful to tech. And, you know, I'm more of, uh, of the mind that we should be looking to the future. And so I think a national infrastructure program, you know, with some clear priorities and frankly, priorities where we're not only looking to to do better here at home, but where we want to build international or global champions. I think that has to be uh, something that our, our leadership delivers to entrepreneurs. Of course, to do those things, you need talent. Talent has been arguably the greatest asset for Canadian tech. We've been developing incredible talent through our schools. We've been attracting some of the world's best talent from every corner. And now, realistically, we're going to be heading into a new age where mobility probably will be more restricted, and therefore the talent premium may grow. Janet, what are you talking to your entrepreneurs about in terms of ensuring they've got the best talent and that they continue to attract the best talent? So in terms of getting international travel to come to Canada, or sorry, international talent to come to Canada, I don't foresee that being a huge challenge. Yes, people will not want to travel, but most of the, the, I view that in terms of short-term travel, which people will avoid. I don't think that it will prevent people from moving to Canada. I think that if we can manage this crisis well to show that we have handled it well relative to other countries in terms of how our healthcare system has responded and how we have responded as a country, then that can actually make our leaders and Canada as a desirable place to live. It can actually help that. So yes, right now people are not about to move, but you know, six, 12, 18 months from now, I think they I think the talent will continue to flow into Canada so I don't view that as something that I'm concerned about. I think the challenge is hey for entrepreneurs to you know be thinking about hey how do I take advantage of this time as Mike said this is a great time to be launching a business. Mike you've been deeply involved in some of the 
best institutions in, in the country. I'm thinking of Mars and the Vector Institute and, of course, uh, Perimeter in Waterloo. All of them are uh, terrific hubs for, for Canadian talent and global talent. Are you concerned that uh, they may not be able to attract and retain the same talent? Or do you, do you think this is passing and they'll uh, get right back at it, maybe even stronger than ever? You know, I think one of the trends that I've heard constantly is this just greater acceptance of uh, virtual organizations uh, where people hire people no matter where they are. They don't necessarily have to be in my Toronto office or my Toronto Institute or my Waterloo Institute. They can be anywhere. And, you know, I think a number of us you know, struggle to get our head around that. What does culture look like? You need culture. You need a, a way of people working together, you know, that sort of defines uh, an organization that's going after a big, you know, mission of set of objectives. But to be honest, I think we're going through this experience and we're just finding ways around that. We're finding, we're finding new tips and tricks, new ways to create culture and to create an organization virtually. We have started already to make virtual hires. And I think places like Vector and places like Perimeter, they already have affiliations with uh, individuals that are at other uh, universities uh, to a degree. I think we're just going to see more of that, more of that in tech, more of that in every kind of organization, including these institutes. And frankly, I think it's a good thing. I think it's going to help them actually accelerate the building of their talent pool and accelerate the kind of work that they're trying to do. So more virtual organizations. One of the great challenges uh, for Canadian tech for many years has been uh, the lack of uh, scale-ups. And I'm wondering as we shift into maybe a more virtual world, maybe a bit more of a virtual economy, if your sense is, will Canadians be more ambitious about scaling or a bit more timid given uh, all the forces going on around the world? I'm generally optimistic, you know that. Uh, however, I've seen some of our scale-ups that you know that we talk about regularly, having just gone through some pretty massive layoffs and reductions. Uh, and so I think a lot of our scale-ups have just taken a massive hit and recovering from that is going to be challenging. You know, they're adapting and they're figuring out how to sell and grow and scale in different ways, you know, getting connected. If you're an enterprise software company, you know, having a mass connection strategy where you're embedded in Slack and you're embedded in, you know, Workday and Microsoft Teams, you're embedded in everything and you don't need a traditional enterprise sales model. You're not flying out to see everybody. So for those that are up and comers, it's the new reality. And I know entrepreneurs, that's what they do. They figure it out. They're like, okay, I can't do any of that stuff anymore. I'm going to do it this way. And wow, first time in a long time, a like, you know, maybe it's a once in 20 year, once in a hundred year opportunity uh, to really build something uh, that just literally a month ago could not have been built right now this way, this fast. And of course, it's going to be global. I'm confident that there's entrepreneurs in Canada, in our neighborhoods, in our communities that are thinking that way right now. When I think back to the last crisis, the financial crisis and the recession that followed, Canadian tech was on its knees in 2010, 2011. And one of the things that got tech going again was a big amount of money from the federal government through venture capital. I'm curious when we look back at that experience, what, what should we learn? 
One of the things that has become clear through the different government initiatives is the magnifying power. And so if you look at a program such as the VCAP program or the, or the VICI program, that they are extremely effective in magnifying dollars. And by that, what I mean is where a government could put in money into, say, for instance, a venture capital fund, that fund can then use that, that money to go out and raise money from a private investors and then use that money to catalyze around into a company that then attracts further money. And so we have, for instance, a, a one fund that's dedicated to the province of Quebec and for every dollar that has been received from the government of Quebec, it results in $8 going into that company. And then what we have shown is, hey, that's an early stage company. Those companies go on to raise follow-on rounds and build great companies. And so from a government perspective in terms of, hey, how do you cost effectively make $1 go further? Venture capital model is very effective. And not only that, but you have people who have spent years and years in the venture capital industry who know how to select the right companies and then foster those companies as they grow. I wonder if I could ask you both what you think is most critical for us to get right and what's the one thing we should worry about getting wrong as we think about accelerating into that recovery. Maybe I can start with you, Mike. I think there's there's an unprecedented opportunity here to build global champions. And it sure helps to have, you know, local purchasing of your technology. And and too often, you know, scale-ups, startups, you know, they don't even bother focusing on getting customers here because they just don't move as fast. They just don't move as fast and taking risks to those new technologies that could drive productivity or that could drive, you know, some kind of an advantage. They don't move as fast as, you know, our Southern neighbors uh, do. And so you got to buy Canadian tech. It's not like it's Bush League tech anymore. Same goes for government. Government procurement of tech is, I don't know, it's abysmal. And I think those two strong uh, sources of demand, you know, essential to build global champions. That's a great message. We're going to need to build more national demand if we're going to create the big companies, the successful companies. And you mentioned the word speed. We got to, we're, we're seeing that. Janet, what, what do you think is the most important thing for us as a country to get right? And what do we have to worry about getting wrong? I mean, going back sort of to my analogy of running up a hill, I think that we as a country have worked for the past 10 years in particular to build our technology ecosystem. It is now at the point where we are attracting attention literally from around the world. As I said, in terms of the analogy of running up a hill, we've hit a hill and we can either slow down and maybe sort of walk up the hill and I don't know if we'll ever recover. Or we can say, hey, we got a hill and we're going to really turn the speed on and we're going to go up that hill and we're going to significantly increase our vantage in Canada and be known as a great country for tech startups and change the makeup of our economy. And so what does that speed mean? I think it means help from the government, but it's got to be the right kind of help. I do think this point, John, about policies that either ignore tech or frankly, you know, listen, tech is filled with tons of companies that should be creatively destroyed. Yet we have 
scale-ups that were honestly on fire four weeks ago, and now they're asleep at best. Ensuring some of those companies make it, there's different ways to go about it, but at a minimum, ensuring that we continue to build IP and that the IP advantage that we've had or we've been building and some of these companies have been building doesn't just get extinguished, right? Some companies have, I mean, drastic layoffs have happened already. You know, the various, various programs that have been announced really, you know, more for rest, more for restaurants, less for tech. And as a result, we're going to see IP get extinguished. And I think that is a, a massive failing. This has been a great conversation of how we can accelerate out of this crisis. Janet, you've made me want to go do some hill training. Mike, you've made me want to run faster, although I'm not sure that's possible. I wonder what one piece of advice you'd give to entrepreneurs and innovators would be right now. That this is a great time to build a company if you have the right fundamentals and are thinking courageously and creatively about building your company. I think we're in this for a while, John. And so my two words hyphenated is uh, our pandemic proof. You got to build a business that's pandemic proof. This is not going away for the next, you know, 18 to 24 months. I'd say there are five big takeaways from our conversation. Number one, People should be thinking about the future of work and how to use technology to transform processes. Number two, we can disrupt our collective mindset. We should take advantage of this time to change the way we think. Number three, think about big bets, digital health companies, AI and analytics, machine learning to predict health and safety. Number four, accelerate. When you're running up a hill, sprint. It's how you win a race. Canada has a unique opportunity to invest in our tech sector to gain an advantage globally we need to accelerate up that hill. And number five, companies need to be pandemic proof. It's time for our rapid fire segment. Fast questions, fast answers. Let's begin. In one word, what does innovation mean to you? Building things. Creativity and action. Do you need to go to university to be successful? No. No. Biggest challenge you'd like to tackle in the tech innovation industry? I'd like to get that tech sector to be a major driver of this economy. Entrepreneurs thinking big and knowing that they can build what they can see. What should they teach in school but don't? You know, this idea of a beginner's mind. Entrepreneurship. Last one. When we get to travel again, where do you want to go? I was going to go to Bali this spring, but had to change that. So Bali is high on my family's list. I would love to go to India. We had a family trip booked to India this summer that we've had to cancel. So hoping to be able to reschedule that. It's hard not to be hopeful when you talk with Mike and Janet. They're entrepreneurs. They're optimists. They see opportunity. All Canadians are in the depths of the biggest crisis we've ever seen. And every choice is difficult. Many of them are excruciating. As we help each other through these incredibly difficult months, we also have to think about the future. We have to think a bit more strategically. 
about the sectors, about the companies, about the entrepreneurs who are going to multiply opportunities to build a stronger, more resilient, more robust Canadian economy for the decade ahead. Thank you for listening to RBC Disruptors, our ongoing conversation about innovation and how we can reimagine Canada's economy in this time of unprecedented change. I'm your host, John Stackhouse. Tell us how we did. Leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback.